The Age of Chivalry, Chapter 22, from Bullfinch's The Age of Chivalry. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lara Christ. The Age of Chivalry, by Thomas Bullfinch. Chapter 22, Sir Agravain's Treason. When Sir Percival and Sir Bohort saw Sir Galahad dead, they made as much sorrow as ever did two men, and if they had not been good men, they might have fallen into despair. As soon as Sir Galahad was buried, Sir Percival retired to a hermitage out of the city, and took a religious clothing, and Sir Bohort was always with him, but did not change his secular clothing, because he proposed to return to the realm of Logria. Thus a year and two months lived Sir Percival in the hermitage a full holy life, and then passed out of this world, and Sir Bohort buried him by his sister and Sir Galahad. Then Sir Bohort armed himself and departed from Saras, and entered into a ship, and sailed to the kingdom of Logria and in due time arrived safe at Camelot, where the king was. Then was there great joy made of him in the whole court, for they feared he had been dead. Then the king made great clerks to come before him, that they should chronicle of the high adventures of the good knights, and Sir Bohort told him of the adventures that had befallen him, and his two fellows, Sir Percival and Sir Galahad. And Sir Lancelot told the adventures of the Song Royale that he had seen. All this was made in great books, and put up in the church at Salisbury. So King Arthur and Queen Guinevere made great joy of the remnant that were come home, and chiefly of Sir Lancelot and Sir Bohort. Then Sir Lancelot began to resort unto Queen Guinevere again, and forgot the promise that he made in the quest, so that many in the court spoke of it, and in especial Sir Agravain, Sir Gawain's brother, for he was ever open-mouthed. So it happened Sir Gawain and all his brothers were in King Arthur's chamber, and then Sir Agravain said thus openly, I marvel that we all are not ashamed to see and to know so noble a knight as King Arthur, so to be shamed by the conduct of Sir Lancelot and the Queen. Then spoke Sir Gawain and said, Brother, Sir Agravain, I pray you and charge you, move not such matters any more before me, for be ye assured I will not be of your counsel. Neither will we, said Sir Gaheris and Sir Gareth. Then will I, said Sir Modred. I doubt you not, said Sir Gawain, for to all mischief ever were ye prone, yet I would that ye left all this, for I know what will come of it. Modred's narrow foxy face, heart-hiding smile, and grey persistent eye, henceforward too, the powers that tend the soul to help it from the death that cannot die, and save it even in extremes, began to vex and plague. Guinevere. Fall of it what fall may, said Sir Agravain, I will disclose it to the king. With that came to them King Arthur. Now, brothers, hold your peace, said Sir Gawain. We will not, said Sir Agravain. Then said Sir Gawain, I will not hear your tales, nor be of your counsel. No more will I, said Sir Gareth and Sir Gaheris, and therewith they departed, making great sorrow. Then Sir Agravain told the king all that was said in the court of the conduct of Sir Lancelot and the queen, and it grieved the king very much, but he would not believe it to be true without proof. So Sir Agravain laid a plot to entrap Sir Lancelot and the queen, intending to take them together unawares. Sir Agravain and Sir Modred led a party for this purpose, but Sir Lancelot escaped from them, having slain Sir Agravain and wounded Sir Modred. Then Sir Lancelot hastened to his friends, and told them what had happened, and withdrew with them to the forest, but he left spies to bring him tidings of whatever might be done. So Sir Lancelot escaped, but the queen remained in the king's power, and Arthur could no longer doubt of her guilt. And the law was such in those days that they who committed such crimes, of what estate or condition soever they were, must be burned to death. And so it was ordained for Queen Guinevere. Then said King Arthur to Sir Gawain, I pray you, make you ready in your best armor with your brethren, Sir Gaheris and Sir Gareth, to bring my queen to the fire, there to receive her death. Nay, my most noble lord, said Sir Gawain, 
That will I never do, for know thou well, my heart will never serve me to see her die, and it shall never be said that I was of your counsel in her death. Then the king commanded Sir Gaheris and Sir Gareth to be there, and they said, We will be there, as ye command us, sire, but in peaceable wise, and bear no armor upon us. So the queen was led forth, and her ghostly father was brought to her to shrive her, and there was weeping and wailing of many lords and ladies. And one went and told Sir Lancelot that the queen was led forth to her death. Then Sir Lancelot and the knights that were with him fell upon the troop that guarded the queen, and dispersed them, and slew all who withstood them. And in the confusion Sir Gareth and Sir Gaheris were slain, for they were unarmed and defenceless. And Sir Lancelot carried away the queen to his castle of La Joyeuse Garde. Then there came one to Sir Gawain, and told him how that Sir Lancelot had slain the knights, and carried away the queen. "'O oh Lord, defend my brethren,' said Sir Gawain. "'Truly,' said the man, "'Sir Gareth and Sir Gaheris are slain.' Alas, said Sir Gawain, now is my joy gone, and then he fell down and swooned, and long he lay there as he had been dead. When he arose out of his swoon, Sir Gawain ran to the king, crying, O King Arthur, mine uncle, my brothers are slain. Then the king wept, and he both. My king, my lord, and mine uncle, said Sir Gawain, bear witness now that I make you a promise that I shall hold by my knighthood, and from this day I will never fail Sir Lancelot until the one of us has slain the other. I will seek Sir Lancelot through seven kings' realms, but I shall slay him, or he shall slay me. You shall not need to seek him, said the king, for as I hear, Sir Lancelot will abide me and you in the joyous guard, and much people draweth unto him, as I hear say. That may I believe, said Sir Gawain, but my lord, summon your friends, and I will summon mine. It shall be done, said the king. So then the king sent letters of, and writs throughout all England, and both in the length and breadth, to summon all his knights. And unto Arthur drew many knights and dukes and earls, so that he had a great host. Thereof heard Sir Lancelot, and collected all whom he could, and many good knights held with him, both for his sake and for the queen's sake. But King Arthur's host was too great for Sir Lancelot to abide him in the field, and he was full loath to do battle against the king. So Sir Lancelot drew him to his strong castle with all manner of provisions. Then came King Arthur with Sir Gawain, and laid siege all about La Joyeuse Garde, both the town and the castle. But in no wise would Sir Lancelot ride out of his castle, neither suffer any of his knights to issue out, until many weeks were past. Then it befell upon a day in harvest time. Sir Lancelot looked over the wall, and spoke aloud to King Arthur and Sir Gawain. My lords both, all is in vain that ye do at this siege, for here ye shall win no worship, but only dishonor. For if I list to come out, and my good knights, I shall soon make an end of this war. Come forth, said Arthur, if thou darest, and I promise thee, I shall meet thee in the midst of the field. God forbid me, said Sir Lancelot, that I should encounter with the most noble king that made me knight. Fie upon thy fair language, said the king, for thou know well I am thy mortal foe, and ever will be to my dying day. And Sir Gawain said, What cause hadst thou to slay my brother, Sir Gaheris, who bore no arms against thee, and Sir Gareth, whom thou madest knight, and who loved thee more than all my kin? Therefore know thou well I shall make war to thee all the while that I may live. When Sir Bohort and Sir Hector de Maris and Sir Lionel heard this outcry, they called to them Sir Palamedes, and Sir Sapphire, his brother, and Sir Lawain, with many more, and all went to Sir Lancelot. And they said, My lord, Sir Lancelot, we pray you, if you will have our service, keep us no longer within these walls, for know well all your fair speech and forbearance will not avail you. Alas, said Sir Lancelot, to ride forth and to do battle I am full loath. Then he spake again unto the king and Sir Gawain, and willed them to keep out of the battle. 
but they despised his words. So then Sir Lancelot's fellowship came out of the castle, in full good array, and always Sir Lancelot charged all his knights, in any wise, to save King Arthur and Sir Gawain. Then came forth Sir Gawain from the king's host, and offered combat, and Sir Lionel encountered with him, and there Sir Gawain smote Sir Lionel through the body, that he fell to the earth as if dead. Then there began a great conflict, and much people were slain. But ever Sir Lancelot did what he might to save the people on King Arthur's party, and ever King Arthur followed Sir Lancelot to slay him. But Sir Lancelot suffered him, and would not strike again. Then Sir Bohort encountered with King Arthur, and smote him down, and he alighted and drew his sword, and said to Sir Lancelot, Shall I make an end of this war? For he meant to have slain King Arthur. Not so, said Sir Lancelot, touch him no more, for I will never see that most noble king made me knight, either slain or shamed. And therewith Sir Lancelot alighted off his horse, and took up the king, and horsed him again, and said thus, My lord Arthur, for God's love, cease this strife. And King Arthur looked upon Sir Lancelot, and the tears burst from his eyes, thinking on the great courtesy that was in Sir Lancelot more than in any other man. And therewith the king rode his way. And then anon both parties withdrew to repose them, and buried the dead. But the war continued, and it was noised abroad through all Christendom, and at last it was told afore the Pope, and he, considering the great goodness of King Arthur and of Sir Lancelot, called unto him a noble clerk, which was the Bishop of Rochester, who was then in his dominions, and sent them to King Arthur, charging him that he take his queen, Dame Guinevere, unto him again, and make peace with Sir Lancelot. So, by means of this bishop, peace was made for the space of one year, and King Arthur received back the queen, and Sir Lancelot departed from the kingdom with all his knights, and went to his own country. So they shipped at Cardiff, and sailed unto Benwick, which some men called Bayonne. And all the people of those lands came to Sir Lancelot, and received him home right joyfully. And Sir Lancelot established and garnished all his towns and castles, and he greatly advanced all his noble knights. And Sir Lionel, and Sir Bohort, and Sir Hector de Maris, Sir Blamor, Sir Lawain, and many others, and made them lords of lands and castles, till he left himself no more than any one of them. Then Arthur made vast banquets, and strange knights from the four winds came in, and each one sat, though served with choice from air, land, stream, and sea, oft in mid-banquet, measuring with his eyes his neighbor's make and might. Peleus in Atar. But when the year was past, King Arthur and Sir Gawain came with a great host, and landed upon Sir Lancelot's lands, and burned and wasted all that they might overrun. Then spake Sir Bohort, and said, My lord, Sir Lancelot, give us leave to meet them in the field, and we shall make them rue the time that ever they came to this country. Then said Sir Lancelot, I am full loath to ride out with my knights for shedding of Christian blood, so we will yet a while keep our walls, and I will send a messenger unto my lord Arthur to propose a treaty, for better is peace than always war. So Sir Lancelot sent forth a damsel and a dwarf with her, requiring King Arthur to leave his warring upon his lands, and so she started on a palfrey, and the dwarf ran by her side. And when she came to the pavilion of King Arthur, she alighted, and there met her a gentle knight, Sir Lucan, the butler, and said, Fair damsel, come ye from Sir Lancelot de Locke? Yea, sir, she said, I come hither to speak with the king. Alas, said Sir Lucan, my lord Arthur would be reconciled to Sir Lancelot, but Sir Gawain will not suffer him. And with this Sir Lucan led the damsel to the king, where he sat with Sir Gawain to hear what she would say. So when she had told her tale, the tears ran out of the king's eyes, and all the lords were forward to advise the king to be accorded with Sir Lancelot, save only Sir Gawain. And he said, My lord, mine uncle, what will ye do? Will you now turn back, now you are so far advanced upon your journey? If you do, all the world will speak shame of you. Nay, said King Arthur, I will do as ye advise me. 
but do thou give the damsel her answer, for I may not speak to her for pity. Then said Sir Gawain, Damsel, say ye to Sir Lancelot, that it is waste labor to sue to mine uncle for peace, and say that I, Sir Gawain, sent him word that I promise him, by the faith I owe unto God and to knighthood, I shall never leave him, till he have slain me, or I him. So the damsel returned, and when Sir Lancelot had heard this answer, the tears ran down his cheeks. Then it befell on a day Sir Gawain came before the gates, armed at all points, and cried with a loud voice, Where art thou now, thou false traitor, Sir Lancelot? Why hidest thou thyself within holes and walls like a coward? Look out now, thy traitor knight, and I will avenge upon thy body the death of my three brethren. All this language heard Sir Lancelot, and the knights which were about him, and they said to him, Sir Lancelot, now must ye defend you like a knight, or else be shamed for ever, for you have slept over long and suffered over much. Then Sir Lancelot spake on high unto King Arthur, and said, My lord Arthur, now I have forborne long, and suffered you and Sir Gawain to do what ye would, and now must I needs defend myself, inasmuch as Sir Gawain hath appealed me of treason. Then Sir Lancelot armed him, and mounted upon his horse, and the noble knights came out of the city, and the host without stood all apart, and so the covenant was made that no man should come near the two knights, nor deal with them, till one were dead or yielded. Then Sir Lancelot and Sir Gawain departed a great way asunder, and then they came together with all their horses' might, and each smote the other in the middle of their shields, but neither of them was unhorsed, but their horses fell to the earth. And then they leapt from their horses, and drew their swords, and gave many sad strokes, so that the blood burst out in many places. Now Sir Gawain had this gift from a holy man, that every day in the year, from morning to noon, his strength was increased threefold, and then it fell again to its natural measure. Sir Lancelot was aware of this, and therefore during the three hours that Sir Gawain's strength was at the height, Sir Lancelot covered himself with his shield, and kept his might in reserve. And during that time Sir Gawain gave him many sad brunts, that all the knights that looked on marveled how Sir Lancelot might endure them. Then when it was past noon, Sir Gawain had only his own might, and when Sir Lancelot felt him so brought down, he stretched himself up, and doubled his strokes, and gave Sir Gawain such a buffet that he fell down on his side. And Sir Lancelot drew back, and would strike no more. Why withdrawest thou, false traitor? Then said Sir Gawain, Now turn again and slay me, for if thou leave me thus, when I am whole again, I shall do battle with thee again. I shall endure you, sir, by God's grace, said Sir Lancelot. But know thou well, Sir Gawain, I will never smite a felled knight. And so Sir Lancelot went into the city, and Sir Gawain was born unto King Arthur's pavilion, and his wounds were looked to. Thus the siege endured, and Sir Gawain lay helpless near a month, and when he was near recovered came tidings unto King Arthur that made him return with all his hosts to England. End of chapter 22